Uh, this morning we're going to talk about the uplifting topic of death. Um, we're going to, our passage out of just the Gospel of John chapter 12. There's a lot of stories about Jesus, obviously, in the, in the Gospels. This one's pretty interesting. As I read it, there's some different characters in the story, so maybe think who you identify with, uh, maybe one more than another. The passage is uh, John 12, beginning at verse 20. Now among those who went out to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, His voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the word of God for all people. So let's take a look at some of the characters in this passage. First off, we have the Greeks. Now, we don't, I'm going to talk a little bit more about them in a little bit, but we really don't know much about them in this passage. We just know that they were interested in, in seeing Jesus. We have two disciples involved. We have Andrew. Now, some background on Andrew. Andrew was one of John's disciples, and when Jesus came to see John, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And it was at that point that Andrew decided that he would go see who this Jesus was. And after, after hanging out with him for a little while, he went to tell his brother Peter, so Andrew and Peter are brothers, that they had found the Messiah. Philip was a neighbor of Andrew and Peter. Uh, John tells us that Jesus found him and then directed him to follow as well. It doesn't say why Jesus picked him, but Philip's reaction probably shows uh, why. That he, because he was expected, he was eager, he was looking for the Messiah to come. Uh, in fact, when when after Jesus called Philip, he went to Nathaniel and said, We found him, the one of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathaniel was skeptical, and that's where we get the, the relatively famous phrase, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, referring to Jesus. But Philip answered, kind of like Jesus did, Come and see. Come and see. And I think that's a response that we can have too. When folks say, well, who is this Jesus? Well, come and see. Come and hang out with me so that, so that God will shine through me. Come and see. Now, just as with Andrew, Jesus called Philip, and he followed. Unlike Andrew, who believed the testimony of John the Baptist, Philip knew Jesus because he knew Scripture. And I think we should be encouraged by this difference between these two Disciples. See, some people make Christianity primarily an intellectual thing, a cognitive thing. Others make it an experiential matter, that it's about what we experience in our walk. But both 
can be true. It's not one to the exclusion of the other. Andrew and Philip are a great example of that. God uses many ways to draw his people to him. Lots and lots of different ways. But the response is the key. To pick up and follow him. That's the consistency. Regardless of whether the scripture appeals to you or, or what it is that it appeals to you. This is, this is the, the same thing that's going on in the church today because we have a, a lot of folks that believe that if we can just get folks to study the Bible more, then they'll become more engaged. And for many, that's true. But we have another group that says, if we can just get them to, to serve more, if we can get them involved in service, sharing the gift of the gospel, being active in their community, being the hands and feet of Christ, then they'll figure this out. And that's true for many too. Believe it or not, some people come, come on a Sunday morning and they want to hear the message that teaching is the thing that draws them near. Other people, it's the music that worship is what draws them. Some, like this morning, we had awesome fellowship. And we had the, the, everybody interacting with one another because we're happy to see one another. And it helps us as we get ready to go into the, into the week. There's lots of different ways that God draws us and that appeal to us. Lots of different ways. The key, though, is not what drew you. It's what you do with that drawing. Do you follow him? He'll draw you. And you choose. The, the, the wonderful thing about our journey is, is this as well. Whatever drew you, you may have gotten involved in a mission trip somewhere, and that might have been what changed your heart and brought you closer to Christ. It may be that you were reading your Bible and you came across a passage and God just smacked you between the eyes, and, and you went, oh, wow, I never saw that before. As we continue in our journey, it becomes one. It's not just scripture, or just service, or just worship, or just teaching or just fellowship. We grow and say that those things come together. It's probably why in Galatians that it's not the fruits with an S of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit. Love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness. All of those things. Hope, joy, self-control. One fruit that tastes different on different days. And in our journey, we'll find that whatever drew us may not be what keeps us. Whatever drew you to Christ, you might take something more than that, something different from that, if you're going to fulfill the call he has to give his life. These three, I like these three guys. Our story starts with a really simple Sentence. Among those who went to worship at the festival were some Greeks. It's significant to me because I relate to them. I, I identify with, with the Greeks in this story. That's, those are the guys that I identify with. I have to tell you that even though I've been a Christian for a very, very long time, and I've been a pastor now for a while, there are times when I don't feel like I fit. Times when I feel different. See, I know all the mistakes I've made in my life. I know all the, all the times that I have not followed what I knew God to be asking me. And sometimes y'all just look good, you know? 
You look, if you come in, in, in the church and, and you're dressed nice and you look like you just got it together. And I know what's going on inside of me. I see what's going on outside of you. And I feel like I don't measure up with my feelings. Don't match your appearance. And I identify with the Greeks in this story because of that. Because they're coming, to, they're coming to see Jesus, right? And think about this era. There was no internet, right? Jesus wasn't, there wasn't no www.jesus.com. Didn't have any YouTube videos to show the, hey look, here's the, here's the wedding in Cana. You know, water to wine, look at this. You know, with a million views. One they need telephones, and certainly no cell phones. They didn't even have the dial-ups, you know, they didn't have any of that. Didn't have newspapers. It was word of mouth that got the word of mouth. And these Greeks come and they've heard this stuff about this guy named Jesus. He healed the sick. He healed the lepers. He caused the blind to see. Changed the water to wine at, at Cana. There were these thousands of people who came to hear him speak in a field. And you know what he did with some, with some fish and some loaves? He fed all of them. And I don't know this guy named Lazarus. And that's a funny name for a guy. But you know what? Lazarus died and he literally raised him from the dead. I want to meet this guy named Jesus. I don't care that he's different. I don't, I don't care that he's not like us. Yeah, he's a Jew, but if I could just meet Jesus, maybe all of that stuff that's going on inside of me, maybe all of my feeling different can go away because Jesus can heal. Jesus touches hearts and they're no longer the same. I want to meet Jesus. So I relate to the grief in this story because you know what I want to do? I want to meet Jesus. When I have that time when, I, when my insides don't match your outside and I feel that way, I know that I need the touch of Christ to remind me that we all have stuff. And that we may look good on one day, but we may walk outside those doors out there, get in our car, and start crying. Does that happen? And in fact, you. Hang out afterwards to talk to Because I don't want you to have to do that alone. We all have stuff. We all fall short. We make mistakes. We feel different. Go with me to Jesus. He'll change all that. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told this is great. Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip didn't go to Jesus. Why? Why? Why can't? Why did that have to happen? Why didn't Philip? Philip knew Jesus. Why doesn't Philip just go, okay, let me take you over here to Jesus. Jesus is right here. But he doesn't. And if you remember from their backstory, Philip is the thinker. He's the one, he's the one that, that, you know, has scripture, you know. He's come to fulfill what Moses and the prophets have said. 
So these two guys that they don't know show up, and Philip says, they tell, they tell him, oh, I want to go see Jesus. He says, hmm, I wonder if Jesus wants to see these guys. I know. I'll go talk to Andrew, because Andrew's in the pulpit, if you didn't catch that in the story. You know, he follows John the Baptist, Jesus comes by, and he says, oh, okay, I'll follow you now. I'll grab him, and then, if it doesn't turn out very well, it's not my fault, you know, he's a pulpit guy, he, he, he made the Greek come and, and, and talk to you. And so that they all come, and they come to Jesus, and what does Jesus tell them? The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. <laughs> yeah, aren't you the guy that like healed the blind? Aren't you the guy that that sent the thousands? To come all this way and he tells us about that. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He tells us basically that death is a part of following. Think about that for a moment. What does that mean in our lives? Think about how powerful that is. And most of y'all go on recovering, right? In order to recover, I had to surrender the idea that I could control my drinking and drugging. I had to let go of that. I can't control those things. That had to die in my life in order for me to live. And isn't that the way of life? The truth that Jesus gives you. Remember your first relationship ever? First time you dated anybody? Are you still with them? Some of y'all laughing. <laughs> oh no! But didn't did we have to let go? Maybe maybe die in such a harsh word. Didn't we have to let go of some things in order to find a healthier relationship? How many jobs have you had? <laughs> yeah, you know, my first job was, was this is ironic. I was I was a drug delivery boy for a pharmacy. <laughs> I never stole drugs. <laughs> How would that have turned out if I stepped that up pretty much longer? We let go of jobs as we grow in our lives. To my married folks, do y'all get your way in marriage? <laughs> oh. You know why? Because we know that to win is sometimes to lose. <laughs> it's not about winning every time. We don't have to get our way every time. We have to let go of the idea that I am always right. And those experiences of letting go, those experiences of death, don't they lead to new understanding? Don't they lead us to a new path, a new place? in our life, whether it's in relationships or in work or wherever it is, the letting go is an important part of our growth. And it's the way of God. 
In our weakness, he is strong. strong. We're weak, and he's strong. Defeat of self is the pathway to victory in Christ. When we let go of control, we find peace in him. You remember the old bumper sticker that said, God is my co-pilot. Get out of the seat because he needs to see your pilot. If that's you, stop it. Give up control. Give up that seat. He needs to be the pilot. He needs to be the captain. Not the co. Those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world. Isn't it backwards? Right? This is upside down to our understanding in this world. Those who love their life lose it. Those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor me. Here's the here's truth. I got to share this with Lord Woods last week. So this is a blessing to be able to share it in both places. We are temporary sojourners. We are temporary travelers here on this planet. This is not our home. You know why we struggle so much? Why it's not comfortable? Why, why, why sometimes we go, what is up? I don't even feel like I should be here. Because you shouldn't. This isn't your home. This is temporary. This place. And it's ironic that when we as human beings, we look, you think about the, the galaxy and, and from the beginning of time, God is outside of time, but we have from the beginning of time of billions and billions of years of, of time. God sees all that. And here we put so much emphasis on our usually less than a hundred years on this planet as being the absolute most important time of all. Because I'm here. Because this is my time. God must look at us sometimes and just go, <laughs> Hey look, Mike gets again, he thinks he's a really important guy.
I gotta say no. This gift that he has, the salvation of eternal life, that he puts up here with your name on it. And he leaves it here for you, because he's not going to make you pick it up. If there's an altar rail of those in heaven, it must just have life after life after life. That must be devastating. He offers you that gift. He offers it to me. I said, yeah. After five minutes. I pray that you do think that. What should I say, Father? Save me from this hour. He could have said, Father, save me from this hour. He said, no. I have to go through this. I need to go through this. This is why I've come. Father, glorify me on me. I've spent this past week in fasting and prayer for many reasons, but primarily because I was I wasn't feeling different, as you can tell from the message today. I was feeling separate from. And I needed Jesus and I needed to get a, a closer sense of him. And I went into the fast and I went into it. And you can't tell you, I went into the fast going, Okay, God. I was trying to tell God what to do. And after a few days, it kind of flipped around and it became, oh, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? I like to say things like, I want to be more like Jesus. It's a simple thing. It's a simple statement. I want, and I do. I want to be more like Jesus. But I don't always know or think about what that really, really means. Because it means that I have to become willing to let some things go. I have to become willing to sacrifice some things in my life. To let them die. And sometimes there are things that I hold dear. Jesus, in his moment of sharing what must happen and going forward, reflects a truth of our faith that we most often choose to ignore or to avoid. To be a follower of Christ is required. We have to become willing to let some things die in our life. If you have a hard time with that word, you have to become willing to let things go separate from them in order to follow Jesus. Because here's another truth. Without death, there is no resurrection. Without death, there is no resurrection. If Jesus doesn't die, he doesn't rise again. You don't let things go in your life, and I don't let things go in my life, then God can't resurrect something new. We're hanging on, you can't hang on to both hands in both worlds. That's why he gave us in the world and not of the world. You can't be in the world and of the world and of Christ. Without death, there can be no resurrection. That means our mortality, because I know that we look at our own mortality and many of us have faced death recently. Been around death. We have 
the Republicans this morning are, are dealing with the uh, mortality issue. We hang on to life with both hands. Because it's like that, we don't know for sure, right? It's scary. But here's the truth, too. You know what the death rate so far since Jesus is? Of human beings? How do you say? How do you say? We're not getting out of here alive. Let go of the idea that you're going to live forever because that ain't going to happen in this body. Trust me. Mortality, we hang on to that. It means we have to let go and let die our prejudices and our biases, and that's a wide variety of stuff. That's racial prejudice. And that's all different directions. White to black to brown, whatever, I don't care. We have to let go of that. We are one people. We are one people. We have prejudice based on sexual orientation, gay, straight, whatever the other letters are. We have to let go of the prejudices and biases that we have. God loves all people. God is the changer of the heart. We speak truth in love. Prejudice is based on ideology. Jesus is not Republican or Democrat or Independent or whatever else. We like to put him in our corner. Our brother is a liberal, progressive, Democrat, and Christian, and he'll tell you that Jesus would be with me. And I've got other guys who say, oh no, he's Republican and conservative. That's not Jesus. Jesus is for all. We have to let go of the ideological. We have the flag of the United States, and we have a Christian flag in here. There are churches that don't allow the flag of the United States in it. Not because they're not patriotic. But Jesus is not American either. That's hard too. I kind of like having one. But that flag is more important. You have to let go of some of the stuff that we hang on to, our rights to have our own way, our prejudices against other religions. I hate to break it to you. Our prejudices and biases against Islam, Hindu, whatever it is, because we classify people immediately based on those things. You know the hardest one that I have these days? You know what we're supposed to do with our enemies? Christianity was not meant to be an easy exercise. 
We are meant to comfort the afflicted and the flint to comfort. So maybe that's part of this one. We're supposed to be willing to love those that aren't lovable. And if you have a hard time with that, just know that there was probably a day or two in your life. I know it is true for me. When I was not lovable. And somebody loved me anyway. So maybe we can return to things. Pass that on. So we're in the season of Lent. We've spent the last week considering what it is that God is doing in our life. What is it that, that needs to change in our lives? My prayer is that you're beginning to see things that need to be made moved. Beliefs that need to be challenged. Things that we need to let die. Things that we need to hang on to. That's what the wind is for. To become more aware. But know this, that when things die, something better is on the way. Without death, there can be no resurrection. If you're struggling with stuff, join the crowd. We all struggle with stuff. And death is a pathway to life. It's a pathway to life. 